So again, interesting that we're sharing. It's not often that I do a podcast with, with somebody that seems to share, let's say, so many commonalities in terms of like framework, but also like lived experiences uh, from, from integral and own contemplative practice. Um, let's, let's look at the market. I mean, from boutique consulting to collective leadership offerings, a lot of things are moving in the market and a lot of them are proclaiming, you know, to synthesize ancient wisdom, maybe even indigenous wisdom, collective healing and social innovation. Where do you see, especially now after two and a half years of intense prototyping, um, where do you see your unique uh, fragrance in all of that? Mm -hmm. Cool. I love that question. Um, okay, I'll start with I'll start with the the I, the the individual component. Um, I'm interested in what I call like translineage spirituality. So this goes back to that story I told about my teacher Pasquale DeVito, and this idea that. the religious traditions are kind of like facets of a jewel and the jewel is wisdom, you know, the, the, the non-dual wisdom love that's at the essence of reality, something like that. And I think we're at a point now where we can both, we have the possibility to both update religious traditions in a way that preserves the, the mystical core, the essence of the teachings in, in the way that it is unique to each tradition, but also um, to be part of this shared human lineage that we're all in. Um, and I think science is part of that, whether it's uh, neuroscience and understanding how different spiritual practices affect our brains and our bodies, or whether it's something like quantum physics and having a different perspective on the unified field and energetic resonance and things like that. So um, I'm excited about this kind of Translineage global human lin uh, uh, spiritual path that might be opening up, and yeah, that that makes some really interesting things possible in terms of you know the the group of people who identify as sort of spiritual but not religious or you know other <laughs> um, that there can be some kind of common framework. Um, and, and some evidence-based approaches that still honors the, the raw, like mystical mystery at the same time. That feels interesting to me, um, just from like a personal perspective. And 
I mean, we can't predict the future, right? We, we're all co-creating it together. But if you were to extrapolate your expertise, your knowledge, your network, and were to look into the crystal ball, what do you think are the crucial levers towards manifesting that, you know, planetary civilization ahead? We all know our hearts as possible in peace, ecological health, abundance with all sentient beings on this beautiful planet called Earth. The first thing that comes up for me, and I think this also is relevant to your last question too, in terms of the, the collective, you know, because as you said, we're, we're operating with this I, we, it framework, and so are many other people, and that's wonderful. I think one thing that I hold more and more strongly all the time is recentering the sacred. Um, in terms of communities and in terms of systems that we aim to create ways of life and institutions that support those ways of life that center the sacred. And I think whether we're talking about the possibility for communities to engage in collective healing work with you know, collective trauma, intergenerational trauma, or whether we're talking about social innovation, design, um, you know, more creative kind of systems building work. I think the foundation really needs to be that connection with and honoring of the sacred at the center. So if we can, if we can do that, I think that would then have tremendous ripple effects uh, through all the leverage points. Um, but like I said earlier, I'm particularly interested in education because I, you know, I view education as something that we're all always experiencing. You know, education is from the moment you're born to the moment you die and maybe beyond. Um, not just the time that you're in school until you're 18 or whatever, you know. So I think if we could reframe our understanding around education and create some infrastructure to support that, that would be amazing. And then I also think uh, business and economics is a big one because I think the current dominant form of our economic model is just so destructive to life and the ecosphere and yeah, it just really disconnects us further and further from the things that are most important. So I would love to see some, some big transformations happening in that space as well. For those who are listening and now having more questions than answers, can you give a couple of pointers to people um, where they can make maybe an experience of an intersubjective practice or tools or resources, or do you have um, more a broader pointer, you know, where people standing in a life phase or towards their own self-leadership? Yeah, so I'm curious if you can give a couple of pointers for the audience. Sure. Well, one thing I'll mention since it's coming up is uh, this came through for me when we were down in Austin at the Emerge Gathering. 
And it became really clear to me how my sense of that space is, is I would really love to contribute this emphasis on intersubjective practice as kind of my role within that broader movement. So I'm feeling called to try to organize something, some kind of gathering where exploring intersubjective practice would be really the central theme. Um, so there's nothing concrete I can point to people, point people to just yet, but I'll share the intention so that it's out in the world and I'll, uh, I'll keep you posted, Alistair, if, if things start to come through on that. But I would say that um, Rhea Beck's work, Collective Presencing, is a really excellent um, intersubjective practice that I've been getting a lot of value from recently. Um, the folks you mentioned, Elizabeth and Tom Steininger, Elizabeth DeVoe, Tom Steininger, um, what's their organization called again? Um, is it Emergent Dialogue? Is that what their practice is? Yes. Yeah, Emergent Dialogue. I, I, I haven't done it myself, but I've heard really good things. I, a lot of my friends have done it. Um, and I sort of know a bit about their, their lineage and their history. So I, I definitely consider that a resource. Um, I find Thomas Hubel's work. Um, he's got more of a focus on collective healing, collective trauma these days, but that is very much rooted in a sort of deeper mystical understanding. And, I, and going back to the critique you mentioned about sometimes overstepping the interpersonal and the relational piece, I find his work to be just absolutely incredible on that level as well. Um, so those are definitely some, some great resources um, for that. And I also really love uh, Dan Goldman's work on emotional intelligence because I find it to be one of the best, if not the best example we have so far of this synthesis between evidence-based approaches where there's a lot of great research that's already been done and that continues to be done um, in the lab. Um, evidence as well around the impact on leaders and, and you know, personal performance, like how these practices allow you to be a more effective change maker. And there's also a deeper component to his work that is just it's, it's dharma, you know, it's, it's transformation. It's not just about being a better leader or being a better performer at your job. It's about really becoming a, a more wise and compassionate version of yourself, you know, and that I think is really beautiful. So I love his work as well. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for yeah. your contribution. Thank you.